All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. Um, we're ready to go. We've got a loaded episode for you today. Obviously, there's going to be some Wayno discussion as we're getting to the end of his illustrious career as a Cardinal. Thank goodness he got 200. Um, that kind of justified a lot of pain this season. Uh, we'll also be talking about Sonny Gray a little bit. Obviously, some pitching. We know that the Cardinals need to add pitching this offseason. We've been banging that drum. So is everybody else. Um, we'll do it a little bit more today. And then also, there have been some really weird injuries for the Cardinals. Some lower back tightness, all sorts of stuff going on. We've now seen, I think, what, 10-ish Cardinals on the IL to end the season. All of their years are done, so we'll be breaking those down as well. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's just get right into it. I think the first thing we want to talk about today is Adam Wainwright. Um, Josh, is there anything you think the Cardinals will do like fun to honor him down the stretch here? Yeah, I bet. I mean, why not? Especially when you've yeah. got like the most random lineup cards of all time going out right now. Um, <clears throat> I, see, I saw something that he had his batting gloves with him in San Diego. I feel like that didn't mean anything, but I'm sure when he's back home, I'd be shocked if they don't give him at least a pinch hit opportunity, if not DH for a day. <laughs> maybe they yeah. do. Sandy, we talked about before, maybe they play him at every position for a game. I don't know, but they've kind of made it like a whole way in a weekend because doesn't he have like a concert on Saturday or something? So yeah, he's launching yeah. his career as a country star. There we go. Is it been confirmed that he's going to start a game that weekend yet? I have no, no idea. I think they said okay. they're still mulling it over and I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. Do you guys want him to start another game? Cause he ended his last start. I, don't know. I personally would say no. Like I would rather not see Wayno start again. I'd be fine to see him like come out of the bullpen for an inning or something just to mm-hmm. pitch in front faithful one more time um and you know like he'd get a huge ovation on his way out and a huge ovation on his way back yeah. it'd be fun to see him walk all the way out of the bullpen too yeah because and that would kind of be like shades of 06 true um probably the most iconic moment ever so it'd be fun to see that like wayno making the long walk from the bullpen all the way to the mound give the whole crowd just some time to like let the whole feeling sink in um but at the same time like no i don't want to see him start I don't want to see him maybe get shelled and give up eight runs when he just pitched seven scoreless. And we can end on that. Like that's storybook ending 200 seven scoreless. Leave it there. Uh, totally agree. It'd be weird not to see him at least take the mound one more time. I wish yeah. they, they should just wave the, the three batter rule and just let him go out there, throw a pitch and pull him. But if they won't, then let him get an inning. But I would be, Oh, it'd be so frustrating if it's like the last start last year where he's getting shelled by the pirates and they take him out. Like they pirates ruin an iconic moment. So like, I'd be really frustrated. The reds just like teed off on him and then he pull off the mountain. It's like, well, you had 207 scoreless last time. Yeah. So that'd be a bummer. Yeah. And he doesn't really pull we'll against the reds anyway. So it would be, it would be a real sure. Well, and even when he does pitch well against the Reds, like I remember the complete game loss he had against them last year. <laughs> like the Cardinals just don't support him against the Reds, which makes no sense because we score on the Reds with everybody else, like Dakota Hudson on the mound. Mm. Uh, but it is what it is. But yeah, I, I really yeah. think he needs to get a plate appearance. We have to see Wayno hit one more time. Yeah, maybe it won't satisfy my maybe... pitchers hitting, and then I won't talk at all this offseason. <laughs> Uh, we've already had Alec Burleson, the two by player this year. So might as well add Adam Wainwright to the list. Speaking of Alec Burleson, that is such a great segue because Alec Burleson's season is over with a broken thumb, I believe, right. From sliding into third. I heard he did not have the green light, uh, when he ran, which is almost ironic. Um, because apparently, (laughs) yeah, pops like the most aggressive third base coach ever too. all those bad sends at the beginning of the year. And then he doesn't give someone the green light and he ends. Yeah. 
whatever. But Burleson's season is over, and he joins a whole host of other Cardinals on the IL right now. That includes Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, Packy Naughton, Jojo Romero, and Stephen Matz, plenty more, right? Like, I'm not even naming everybody. This is just off the dome. Why, why are the Cardinals all of a sudden just shutting guys down? I see Arenado lower back tightness. It's like, I feel like he'd normally play through that. So what's behind that? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a mix of the fact that the season's basically a wash at this point. So, like, I doubt Arenado is sitting right now if they're in the thick of a playoff race. Yeah, um, for sure. But, like, a lot of these injuries are kind of serious, too. Like, I don't know if Gorman's playing right now, if he, um, even if they're in the race. Burleson's thumb, obviously, you can't do yeah. anything about that. Um, O'Neal, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't be playing. I don't care what time of year it is. Um, <laughs> and I love him, but um and and Contreras's wrist seems like a real issue so I need to I'm gonna keep looking but I'm pretty sure be, even before this month the Cardinals were starting to become one of the most injured teams in all baseball which early in the season that was kind of an argument that people were like they're not even hurt and they're playing terrible but now you can actually kind of look at like yeah. for people who would hope they had a better second half like now the injuries are real like not an excuse but like a real reason to say like I mean, it wasn't going to get better because you traded all your pitching away that was any good. But now your lineup is like, what is all he's supposed to do? He's got Helsley, and that's the only arm in the bullpen I trust. And then you've got like four major, like four of your starters playing right now. The rest of it's like, I mean, I love Palacios and he could have a role next year, but he's not an everyday guy and Kiz is playing a lot. Anyways, it's, it's just funky. Yeah, we saw Casey Lawrence come in for the tenth and the eleventh yesterday. That was that was real fun. He got he got it done because the Padres never win extra yeah. inning games. But um, I won. normally that doesn't that doesn't work out too well. Yeah, I mean it's just like who who's on this team right now? It's just the least recognizable names ever. And now we're calling up Siani to play center field and Irving Lopez. I like seeing Lopez get a chance. I saw some Me conversation too. on Twitter about this one. Lopez getting a chance makes a ton of sense. He's one of those like organ organizational soldiers one of those guys that serves as depth forever um it's great to see him get a shot kind of like a kramer robertson type of thing i don't understand the seattle move i'm a little upset by that because there are guys i'd rather see i don't really care like we got him from the reds off of waivers okay um that doesn't really do anything for me we're not going to win uh it doesn't matter we're not going to the playoffs let you know another organizational guy get his shot like Kaperniak. i don't understand why he's not the one who gets the chance but I don't know. Yeah. It's he was already on the 40 man. So I think that's probably played a part of it. Um, and yeah. when they brought him in, Mosaic was kind of excited about, or he, I remember he mentioned that he's, he, they see him as a plus defender um, in center field. Yeah. So that's something I think next year they'll think about. I doubt he's in the mix for the starting role, but they might see him as a fifth outfielder, fourth outfielder in that way, especially since they don't really use that 26th man very well. Like they might want a guy like that. Um, and they were excited to see if his bat turns around, but at the same time, you're right. It's like, it's kind of weird that he's the guy getting the call when like, a, I mean, you could name five, six from the Memphis mafia that have been around for a while and are knocking on the door. Um, but they did add some names to their 40 man roster. So I, I'm sure they're like, there's a week left. Why would we throw a guy on our 40 man and then potentially have to jeopardize Lucy yeah. in the off season? We have to remove him. But I, I don't know. I see both sides. I'm at this point in the season. I'm like, 
I don't really care anymore. But like, if I were one of those guys, it'd be really frustrating if you've got Siani getting up there, but Bernie, yeah. I can't or Nick Dunn or whoever. Moises Gomez, who's already on the yeah. man roster confirmed the Cardinals can't stand Moises Gomez because <laughs> yeah. he's another like very, very respectable solid year. He strikes out a lot, but so do a lot of players at the major league level. I, I see no reason yeah. why we can't just see if his bat plays because guys have done True. it before. There have been plenty of guys with, you know, spotty hit tools that get up to the big leagues and the power and the plate discipline is enough to, you know, get the job done. So I'd love to see Gomez get a shot, but it looks like that's not going to happen this year. Yeah. I'm just glad we're not seeing Taylor Motter. I think he's still in the organization. Like that would be, I'm glad we're seeing other people who have more potential than that, at least. (laughs) Yeah, could you imagine if there's a roster? Could you imagine it's like, like Goldie goes in the IL, Taylor Motter comes up, and it's like, yeah, people lose it. Well, see, the benefit uh, of Taylor Motter is that he plays every single position, right? Yeah. True utility, man. Supposedly, the Cardinals put him everywhere with whatever. <laughs> it must be like a contagious bug that's going around because it is just everybody. It just stinks. Um. So, yeah, I mean, Josh, you said it earlier, but this team just not at full strength, not at half strength anymore. Um, it sucks to go with such a whimper, you know, just what a, what a bummy end of the season. Yeah, um, I'm not like, I feel like they're, especially when this team's trying to turn around for next year, you probably do would rather, you probably would rather finish with some good vibes, playing good baseball, translating yeah. next year, but <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. I won't be mad if they have a top four pick or something this year. Like there's some really exciting arms coming out and they need to pick best player available. So like whoever the best player available is, it doesn't have to be starter, but they're going to be in a very unique position. I don't think enough people are talking about where they're going to have a top pick in the first round, depending on what they do in free agency, a top pick in the second round. But then every, every round they'll have a, a pick that's 15, 18 spots higher than it usually would be. That's a big deal. And so I think they could really revamp this farm system even more than they already did this deadline. So that's the silver lining I see in all of this is like, let's, let's go. But it's frustrating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we saw the Cardinals, they, they really unloaded that farm system by calling up Walker early in the season. And like, it's not a bad thing to unload your farm system. You should do that. The point of the farm system is to graduate talent to the major league level. But we saw that farm system get very, very depleted. Um, and so, I mean, so much so that at the deadline rankings, we're putting the Cardinals somewhere around 20 to 23. And what I just recently saw Bleacher Report had the Cardinals at 12. Um, they haven't even had the chance to draft, you know, so it's pretty impressive um, how quickly they've been able to turn this around already. Like, like I said, at the deadline, I was all over Moselock masterclass. And I mean, it's just kind of proven our point here. Even if the Cardinals had bought, which people wanted them to do, clearly they would not be in the race right now. No. So it's great that he was able to sell. And then what we saw Sajazi, what we saw Roby do down the stretch, Cloffenstein and Reversa. I mean, talk about a guy who's flipped the script. Reversa came here, was terrible for three starts, and then has been unhittable since then. So very, very exciting. The Cardinals have restocked so fast. I'm excited to see what Randy Flores can do with the top pick. I think you make a great point there. Totally. And I think too, like what, let alone just the, because usually these guys are expecting them to make an impact in St. Louis at some point, there's a chance that some of these guys could be used as trade bait this off season or next deadline where like you look at the major league position player group, you could take the exact same, like whoever you pencil in at the top of the depth chart for all of them. They don't need to add anyone. 
Like they could, but they don't need to add anyone to the position player group. Now they have some pitching depth too. Like that's something I can't remember the last time I went into an off season and every position I'm like, I feel good about like, not just like, eh, like I, I feel good about it. And so like even their bench too, like has really solid guys on like an Alec Burleson or maybe Sid JC next year, whoever. So they're loaded to go make moves. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they were able to trade like two months of injured and ineffective Jack Flaherty. And seriously, like yeah. I know that's going to tick some Cardinals fans off because he was our organizational guy, but injured and ineffective Jack Flaherty is what we've had since 2021. And, you know, it's not his fault, but at the same time, it sucks. They were able to trade that for six years of control of Prieto, of Rom, who, by the way, has been better than Flaherty since the deal. And Rom looks like, I mean, he's put together two really good starts in a row. Looks like he could be a very competent back end starter. And then also Showalter, who's probably the most interesting of them in terms of ceiling. So I don't know. It's it's impressive. Injured Harrison Bader last year. Pretty stupendous stuff by Mose Locke. Yeah, and you look at their top 10 prospects now. They have five arms in the top 10, which is a big deal. Like, they've been really thin yeah. there. Um, you, I mean, you we haven't even talked about, like, guys they had internally, like Chase Davis, they just drafted, Victor Scott. I mean, you still have Chris Effo, Jerpy, Bernal, like, tra- Travis Honeyman. And they, you just have so many names right now that I'm, <clears throat> I think people – I, I would hope we're going to be excited about their offseason, but like this is one where I think they can actually revamp the rotation now. But then by the time the deadline comes around as well, they can make some significant upgrades that they don't usually make because they have to hold on to some of that depth yeah. to replace guys who are going to be leaving. Like again, outside of Goldschmidt, this in 2024 offseason, all their in Tyler O'Neill, who had doubts back next year, all their guys are under control past 2025. So they have a lot of flexibility. Yeah, one more thing before we switch to talking about pitching. I mean, I think this is a really spicy take. I think a lot of people are going to think I'm stupid for saying it. But I really think if you lined up, throw pitching out the window for a second. If you just looked at the depth available to every single team positionally, I think the Cardinals are right up there with the class of baseball. Like besides maybe the Braves, maybe the Dodgers, but I don't know. There there are not a lot of teams that could go – pound for pound with the amount of depth and the amount of talent the Cardinals have in their position player core, because other teams just can't stack guys like Newt, Donovan, uh, Gorman, Carlson, O'Neill. They don't have that many guys who are all capable of starting on a major league roster. And then you talk about the younger guys, Sejazi, Prieto, uh, Victor Scott. It's just super impressive what they've done. Now they just need to add some pitching and start winning some championships. Amen. Yeah, uh, speaking of adding some all-star takes um what was there. that we're gonna no. get some seven all-star comments um to that one but <laughs> i like it i like it um uh, anyway we can uh move on and talk about sonny gray i know josh you had a tweet go out the other day that you wanted um sonny gray more than any other pitcher on the market so um got some got some spicy replies to that i think someone compared him to mike leak which is just completely wrong but um, hi That's yeah so bad so yeah and I, I mean i think uh, like let me take you tra- down my train of thought this is really relative like first of all i mean you look at the state of pitching around baseball in general like almost every contender is going into the off like the dodgers are probably going to throw bobby miller game one and then after that they have no idea who's going to be starting the rotation because kershaw's hurt lance lynn's been terrible you look at the braves max free just went down like state of pitch starting pitching is rough right now 
and then you look and there's a Sony Gray who's been the model of consistency um, out of for I mean as consistent as a pitcher can be in today's day, league um, over the last few years. And like sure, if Max Fried or Spencer Strider was available in the open market, go after them. But they're not. And who's the top guys available? It's Aaron Nola who has regressed a lot this year. I think he like if the Cardinals got him, I wouldn't be freaking out about it. But I also I would be have my hesitations. You have a Yamamoto, but I really feel like a, a large market team is probably going to outbid the Cardinals for him. So we'll see about that. You have Blake Snell, but like talk about a guy who's never consistent. He's had two elite years where he won the Cy Young and then he might win it again this year. And then otherwise he's, he's not bad, but he's not a top of the rotation guy. So you just look at the names and there's no clear guy, but then you come back to Sonny Gray and he's probably going to get a two, three, at max four years, but I doubt that year deal. Probably in the 20 to $23 million range. Like, bang for your buck. I already really like Sonny Gray as your, like, second, the guy you spend the second most amount of cash on. But, like, if the Cardinals walk away and Sonny Gray is their opening day starter next year, this dude is third. Is it third in all of your or your of yeah. all baseball right now? Like, yeah. He's good. And people are like, he doesn't pitch enough innings. Like he's, he's like Blake Snell. Like people don't complain about Blake Snell going six. Like he's, I think he's 18th in innings this year, Sonny Gray. Like he's fine. Um, <clears throat> and again, like, so um, Tim Halkula, I think it's his last name, replied to one of my tweets about Sonny Gray and compared him to Aaron Nola, who is like a, people would see as an ace. Um, Aaron or no, Sonny Gray is a better B war and ERA plus in 2023. If you go the last three years, Sonny Gray is a better B-War and ERA plus than Aaron Nola. You do the last five years, so since 2019, same deal. He's a better B-War and ERA plus. I think Gray is just a symptom of a guy who pinched in Cincinnati. He pitched in Oakland. He pitched yeah. in Minnesota. And no one cares about those markets. No one watches him. And the one time he was on a prime stage, he went to the Yankees. And he's admittedly said, like, things went bad. He had to reinvent himself, figure it out. And he put up, like, a Cy Young-worthy season in Cincinnati, yeah. which is, like, one of the hardest places to pitch in all of baseball. So, like, I just see a bunch of – like, every pitcher has red flags. Every pitcher has risk. But he's the guy that feels the safest in a way with a lot of them. And I just really like the idea of it. So what do you guys think? I love Sonny Gray. I'm all over Sonny Gray. I've always thought he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Ever since he was in Oakland, right? He was, uh, it was him and Manaya seemed like they were going to yeah. be really good in Oakland for a long time. Um, obviously that didn't pan out. Oakland deals into New York. And like you said, he disappointed New York. It is what it is. Gray's admitted that in Cincinnati, like you said, he reinvents himself. I think he should have gotten far more Cy Young attention in 2019. He ended up finishing seventh, I want to say. Um, yeah. He deserved a look, in my opinion. I, I probably would have voted third for him, I think. DeGrom was going to win it. But whatever the case, Sonny Gray has been really good. Uh, I've got his baseball reference page pulled up here. And, and you know, he's an 11-year veteran. How many times do you think in his entire career has he posted an ERA plus below 100? How many times has he actually not been – a, a you know very good pitcher i can't remember off the top but i feel like it's like once maybe twice yeah twice he's only posted an era plus below 112 twice for that Jeez. matter so pretty much every single year sunny gray is at the very worst a three hmm. and if he's not a three he's a one or a two sunny gray does everything right also he's already thrown 180 innings this year so to those people that talk about innings, what do you want from a guy? In today's league, it's almost impossible to throw more than 220 innings. Nobody does it unless you're Sandy Alcantara. In fact, 200 is pretty rare. Michael's hitting it last year was kind of a big deal. Most guys don't even approach that. So 
Gray's going to get really close. He's probably got two more starts. Like we're going to see him crack 190, which in my opinion is very, very impressive. Um, you just don't see guys do that anymore. I, I see no reason the Cardinals wouldn't sign him. And like you said, this is a guy that might only cost you three years of control. Are you kidding me? You have to be all in on this guy. Yeah. And here's why. I, I think this is a, a little bit more of an organizational point. Um, but in my opinion, you look around the teams that are winning, the Braves doing a lot of winning, the Dodgers do a lot of winning, the Rays do a lot of winning, um, the Mariners look like they'll probably do a lot of winning, the Orioles definitely will. These teams have homegrown starting talent, and the Cardinals don't have that right now. But that talent is concentrated in the lower levels. You have a bunch of guys, and one of them's going to work out. Okay. It's not going to be this thing where nobody works. You're going to have a Jack Flaherty in there who pans out. You're going to have a Carlos Martinez and maybe they don't work forever, but you're going to have guys, at least among Ian Bedell, Cooper Jerpy, Tink Hentz, Tacoa Roby. Somebody's going to be good. Hopefully you get two or three like actual solid major league pitchers. And so if that's the case, you just need these guys to be a bridge to that. You don't need to sign three guys long-term to be your rotation all, all the way through the 2020s. Yep. You just need guys who are going to be your rotation until 2025 or 2026 when your young talent that you hopefully develop between now and then is ready to take over. That's the blueprint for winning. Yeah, I love it. Because your point there too is like none of those guys are going to be like maybe back half of 2024, some of those names, but yeah. most of the ones that we really have had expectations for are 2025 and beyond. And so you just got to, you really got to cover 2024's innings. And then you start to have an overlap of the generations where you have Michael yep. in the last year of his deal, Gray or whoever it is, like probably two arms that are hopefully substantial in that time frame. Steven Matz is probably maybe moved to the bullpen or that kind of thing. And obviously you need arms to cover for injuries. You look around baseball again, every team is struggling with injuries right now. Um, <clears throat> but I love that. I think people are like the current, the Cardinals are paying for their past inability to develop pitching and acquire it they now have it but it takes time and so i think in a few years we won't have the same angst but it's hard because it's still there so how do you cover the in between and people don't really want to hear it but it's true like you have to develop your own pitching and so these have to be supplemental moves that can cover the now and also it like it gives me a little bit less fear going into those bigger deals where like yeah you probably don't need gray to be your number one for all three years. Like hopefully there's a guy who's rising to the top by that point. So if he does fade a little bit or Aaron Nola does fade a little bit, like sure they're an expensive three, but like, again, that's free agency. If you have to bring in outside pitching, you're not going to get it cheap. So that's the why you have to develop it. Yeah. I really don't like this market at all. Starting pitching wise, Aaron Nola, you said he's regressed a lot. Blake Snell is really wildly inconsistent. You've actually changed my tune a little bit on Sonny Gray. I used to, or I, I've compared him to, to Robbie Ray in the past. Um, I'm looking at mm -hmm. Robbie Ray's numbers right now. And for like the four years before his Cy Young season in 2021, he was below average, I think for okay, three, three years in a row. So um, just inconsistent. Um, but yeah, looking at Sonny Gray's numbers, definitely someone that I think we should be interested in. I don't want to pay too much for him, but I know in this, this year's market, it's probably going to be tough. Yamamoto is probably still my, my go-to guy, but I don't know. We're not even, we, we haven't scouted him at all. Um, I think we're, we're more interested in, I think, Imanaga, the, the lesser tier, um, Japanese starter, who's I think going to be 29, 30 next year. Um, 30. so, I mean, if we, if we're not in on Yamamoto, I think, um, Sonny Gray is probably the best bet. Yeah, if you, there's some concerns about Sonny Gray that will bring up to play devil's advocate that I've seen other people talk about, his home run to fly ball rate this year is insanely low. Like, it is 5.3%. Yeah. The next low of his, his career is 9%. 
So he's like, there's stuff there where it's like, if he gives up more home runs next year, he's going to regress. Um, his expected ERA is really high. His XFIP is a lot higher. So I'm like, really high is in like seven, 3.7. So like still a good pitcher, um, yeah. but just not as good as this year. But like, also like if you're signing Sonny Gray, he's not going to be as good as he was this year. Like you're hoping for a guy who hovers around a three year array and his <clears throat> pitches like a, like a, maybe a low end one high end two, but like you hope he can do that too. So I'd rather get a guy who I kind of can bank on between a three, 3.5 year right year to year than a guy who could give me a low twos like Snell, but then the next year, give me a high fours. Like I like the certainty for the Cardinals rotation right now, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're the Cardinals, right? You've built your organization around defense for the last decade. And granted, they're trying to move away from that because it didn't work this year. But I don't think it worked. I don't think it failed this year because the pitchers didn't induce the ground balls they wanted them to induce. I've seen so many singles squeak through. I think it regressed because the defense wasn't as good as it should have been. Yeah. Now you have Mason Wynn up the middle. And for some reason, Paul DeYoung just seemed worse defensively Mm -hmm. this year. Gorman made some big strides this year. Walker is so much better. Like Jordan Walker in the outfield today, so different than Jordan Walker in the outfield back in April. Yep. Hopefully you're not going to have all the injuries you dealt with. And gosh, Arnado in the second half has looked like Arnado. In the first half, I have no idea what it was. He's making errors, errant throws, just was not himself. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense when I see all these fans, you know, getting all upset about XFIP and whatever. Cardinal starters have traditionally overperformed and and it's not it's not like a negligible sample. It's a big sample of guys doing that because they've had yeah. a good defense and they play in a pitcher's park, right? You're worried about Sonny Gray giving up a ton of fly like fly balls turning into home runs. I mean, we play at Bush Stadium. Yeah, uh, it's pretty tough to hit there. In case no one's noticed, it's pretty deep. Um, so I'm all in on Gray. Uh, yeah, I just I see no reason why the Cardinals shouldn't be interested in him, especially because like if you can get him on that shorter term deal. Because I know, I know that if they sign Nola and you'll probably have to give him six or seven years, just like Rodon, I know that someday in like 2028, you're going to have a bunch of Cardinals fans screaming about how awful the Nola signing was when they demanded <laughs> that they get Amber Snell. And they're going to be like, oh, because of Aaron Nola, we can't give so-and-so a chance in the rotation because Nola has to be in there. And it just, it'll make me so upset <laughs> because those yeah. are the same people that want him so bad right now. Totally. Looking at, um, I was like, I'm curious what the Twins ballpark factor is compared to the Cardinals. They're 17th in baseball. So like they're more of a pitcher's park at 100. Cardinals rank 20th at 99. So it's basically the same type of park to pitch into. So that, that plays in yeah. Sonny Gray's favor. And again, he pitched in Great American Ballpark and was really good. So like any guy who can do that, I trust in. Yeah. We need to talk real quick about Jordan Walker's uh, play yesterday when he like went over the wall uh, and then made that... <laughs> throw to, to throw out um I don't know the Padres catcher I don't know his name but he um he gone to mid-second which was uh pretty pretty awesome yeah it was incredible he's made like Sandy said he's just made so many strides I mean, I'm, <clears throat> no one expects him to be a gold glover anytime soon but going from maybe the worst outfielder in all of baseball to a league average or above league average guy is a huge improvement very impressive. I mean, you're seeing the athleticism. Jordan Walker, we've been saying, is a generational baseball talent in a lot of ways. Like people were comparing him to Albert Pujols as a prospect. They're saying we haven't seen another Cardinals prospect this young do these things. And so, yeah, like he deserves all the props in the world, but also to the people that said it was never going to happen, like that's a stupid take. Jordan Walker has an incredibly high baseball IQ. If you've ever heard one of his interviews, it's evident, right? He's a student of the game. He's a scholar. 
So I don't understand how people didn't see this coming. He's very athletic. It was going to happen. It just needed to take time. He'd only played like 40 games in the outfield before this season. So, and still he made his debut this year at 20 years old. So yeah, very good to see. Very encouraging. Well, we just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Lids. Um, they're a great company where you can get a bunch of different gear for all types of sports teams, but especially the Cardinals. Obviously, if you're listening to the Newt News podcast here, and one shirt that I found on there recently that I think is awesome is a Mark McGuire. It's just like it's an image of him from an in-game thing. It takes the whole shirt. This year's the 25th anniversary of the 98 home run chase, so it's a very timely item on their shop. They also have all the jerseys, hats, all the other accessories. So you can find, you can get um, our affiliated link in the podcast description, in the YouTube description, or on our link trees and stuff as well. So go on there. It's great stuff. Um, but one more topic we wanted to hit pot or Cardinals related here is Miles Michaelis, which Andrew, I know you're concerned about him. I'm concerned about him as well. It's just not looked great the second half. What are your thoughts on the Michaelis situation? Yeah, so Michaelis against the Brewers the other day, not known for their great offense, went five innings, gave up <laughs> nine hits, um, five earned runs, six runs in total, only struck out four and raised his season ERA to 4.95. And that's really not what you want to see when he's the guy out of the three, uh, Flaherty, Montgomery, and, and Michaelis that you chose to extend right when the season started. Michaelis is getting up there in age. Um, I think we have him for two more years. Um, and if he keeps regressing, we've seen what we've seen what father time does to to aging starting pitchers this year with Wayno. And I'm concerned about Michaelis's viability for future seasons. We've seen him be a little bit inconsistent in the past, but I think this is the worst we've seen it so far. Yeah, I was just about to mention that too. Like there's a there's an argument that Miles is kind of a like an on again, off again pitcher, like like his first year in St. Louis, he was a top six Cy Young guy, an all-star. Then uh, 2019, he regressed to a over four ERA and three, two starts, dealt with some injuries, but then 2022 was really good, um, all-star again. And then obviously this year, his ERA is almost five. If you look at the second half, it's gotten worse. So like that's concerning that it was even like, oh, like he's been rebounding. He's got an ERA of over six during the second half and he just doesn't look the same. And so Hopefully, I mean, I don't know if I want to say hopefully that he's gassed because like you think of last year, like toward the end of the season, he started to falter off a little bit too. He had a good postseason start, but you, I mean, you don't want guys to be playing their worst baseball in September. Um, like we saw Goldie last year, like that's not a good sign for a team that wants to have playoff aspirations, but I think the silver lining of his deal is it's two more years left and it's 16 million a year, which isn't terrible in this market. Um, he just has to pitch a little bit better. And that's probably what you're paying her for a five starter. Um, but the worry is that he continues to regress. And this has been a year where he he's big on beaten by those blue pits that he typically would get out. So maybe the defense improves next year that helps him out a lot. Um, I don't know, but right now I'd say like, what would you rate your levels concern on Michaelis at like one to 10, 10, you're freaking out one. You're like, he's fine. Probably like a six right now. I had Michaelis in our our starting pitching rankings below Matt's. I had Matt's as our three mm. and Michaelis as our four because Matt's showed some really, really promising signs before he got injured. And I yeah. think he comes back um, and works this offseason on getting better and comes back fully healthy next year. I don't have that as many concerns with Matt's. Uh, Michaelis has shown that he's healthy. He's gotten really unlucky this year. We saw, as you said, a lot of those blue pits were falling, especially – Earlier in the season, I know he had a really, really bad start to his season. Um, 
and then put it back together before the all-star break. But it seems like he's having more of the same that he had at the start of the season. So I don't know if it's just bad luck. Hopefully it is. And hopefully he has another really good year next year. But right now I'm not very confident in it. Yeah. I'd probably put mine as a five or six as well. And I think that's a really interesting, like that you put Michael as your four on your starting pitching rankings. Cause I do think like, obviously Matt's injury concerns, like make him unreliable in that way. But like when he's been like, I, I it'd be interesting to talk about on a pod um, in the future, but if you go back and look at Matt's 2022 with the Cardinals, he had two blow up starts that destroys your array, but otherwise he was giving you five innings, three or less runs every time out. Like that's, that's pretty good production. And so if Michaelis is your four, like he, that's the kind of a low bar that he has to clear. So I think he can get over it. And I think the, the problem the Cardinals ran into this year is they didn't have top end pitching. So like their number one at the beginning of the year, there's just no one pitching like above a number four starter at best. Most of them were pitching like fives. Then Montgomery came on, but that was after the season was kind of already lost. Um, but then outside of Montgomery, you didn't have anyone. So if you have two guys at the top of your rotation, you can depend on. And then you don't have like a black hole at number five where it's Wayno giving up 10 runs or it's Woodford being terrible or whatever. Like that, like you don't need as much from a Michaelis. You don't need as much from a Mats anymore. So I'd say, again, it's a five or six because they didn't have to extend him. So the fact that they did it and then this is what they're getting is like, well, the Cardinals kind of a history of this, of paying a guy when they don't need to pay them yet. And then they kind of fall off. So hopefully it's not another one of those, but Michaelis is a great clubhouse guy too. And he seems like a guy who's going to work really hard this off season to figure it out. So I want to give up on him, but I'm concerned. Yeah, definitely not. And I think we have, um, we found Thompson this season. He had a couple of rough outings in recent weeks, but I, I trust him to, to come into a role if, if Michaelis or Matt's goes down as sort of a three, four five guy, but I really hope that Michaelis can can go back to being like a, a two or a three type star that we've seen in years past. Yeah. Kind of just ease the load mm-hmm. off of potential signings that might go wrong, like Nola or Snell being not as effective as we've mentioned, but just a lot yeah. of question marks in the starting rotation next year. Mm-hmm. And I think like we all have PTSD from this year being the worst from pitching, but also like 2020 2019 2021 2022 like every deadline the cardinals were trying to patch the rotation together again so like i think fans want to see something completely different and want to see steady pitching but like this isn't 2013 anymore this isn't 2009 anymore like rotations are way more volatile these days and i I think it was 101 espn they were talking about there's not a single contender that has a pitcher that doesn't have a guy with a five era in the rotation right now like the expectations for a back end of the rotation guy is just a lot different than today's is. So like, even if Thompson has to be in there, like what he's shown so far, he's a perfectly capable number five starter and he's the upside to be a guy who can strike out eight or nine in a game and give you innings. So like, I think I'm less can like, I kind of go back and forth between how concerned I am about this rotation. Obviously they have to make the moves, but like, assuming they make the moves is actually going to be good enough. And I think with how elite this offense is, I just think it's, I think I, people are fair to say the problems are bigger than the pitching this year, but I don't like, I think it's very clear that the pitching was such a mess that it impacted every other area of the game. So negatively, if you come in next year and guys don't feel like they have to score 10 runs every game to win. And you've got a guy who can shut people down for six, seven innings. Like that just is a totally different feel in the clubhouse. So I think Michaelis can be part of the solution, but 
I, I just think it's a good thing the Cardinals don't need him to be a one or two like they did this year. Yeah, for sure. We just need to hope that they they live up to their word and bring in the, the pitching they need instead <laughs> of saying, like, I don't know. True. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I maybe this is a TikTok moment or something. I don't know. I I'm, I don't know if you're listening to Bill Simmons podcast ever, but like, Kyle, turn the camera on. Like, this is my Kyle, turn the camera on moment. But like, people need to remember. I think Mosaic is taking accountability right now. I think Ali Marmol is taking accountability. The people we're not hearing from are the DeWitts. And they're the people that matter. And if the DeWitts are not willing to open up the pocketbook, there's a, Mosaic's made mistakes. It's true. The front office has made mistakes. But if this really wants to, they really want to turn this around, I think they can. They just need DeWitts to finally open the pocketbooks. I think it's going to happen because they've never seen a season this bad and they've never seen the stadium like empty like this before. I think they're going to make change, but if they don't, I think it's a moment you look at the front or you don't, it could be the front office, but I think it's more of an ownership thing. And that's where I think my biggest question is right now. I think Mosaic wants to do, I think he's embarrassed. I think all he wants them to do, I think he's embarrassed. Are the DeWitts embarrassed enough to actually open up the pocketbooks? We'll see. I mean, the worst uh, season we've ever seen combined with the most exciting free agent we've ever seen. Um, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that later. You slid it in. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, you think about the last time they even had a losing season, they fired Walt Jockety, who constructed some of the greatest Cardinal teams, like the 04 team, and they won the World Series in 06. Like, the DeWitts, like, uh, to their credit, like, when things go bad, they make changes. Just things haven't gone bad in a long time. So, like... They were pretty complacent. So we'll see. Maybe it means Otani. Who knows? That would be nice. I did make a pitch the other day to, to you guys that we shouldn't compete until 25 because I looked at some of the free agent starters that are going to be available then, and those guys are a lot more exciting. You got Corbin Burns, Woodruff, Walker Bueller. I think Garrett Cole has an opt-out, which he might exercise in this market. Just a lot more yeah. interesting guys that will be your number one instead of Nola and Snell, who are very questionable. Yeah, we should definitely talk dive more into that in the future because I think yeah. that my pushback would be you're killing another year of Arenado and Goldschmidt's prime, which is tough. But I do think that's an argument to maybe like make one big signing this offseason and then patch to not patch together, but like not make huge commitments to the rest of the rotation, maybe trade for uh like he's my placeholder guy, but a Tyler Glass now who can just cover you for a year and then you make another big splash next offseason. I could totally see that as a good scenario because I'd rather have Max Fried long-term or Corbin Burns than Aaron Nola. But then again, like I'm sure every front office is looking at next year's free agency being like, that's the one. So yeah, it's gonna be gonna we'll be see. maybe sign a DH, go full Phillies, uh just all line up, no pitching. And then <laughs> 2025 together yeah yeah well andrew i think this pretty much covers the gambit of all the things cardinals right now we've got a fun episode coming up next time where we'll talk about some end of the season awards and maybe some not some good awards that we're going to give out to some people i'm sure we'll get to recap the finalization of the season and start previewing the off season so thanks for joining us again another episode of new news again use that affiliated link for lids if you want to get some cool merch send me send us what you grabbed maybe we'll get some ourselves um and it was a good it was a good episode so thanks to andrew as always and sandy and we'll catch you guys next time